In the Lab, a Texans podcast that takes a different look at things. Drew Doherty and John Harris have their lab coats and goggles on and the Bunsen burners burning. Here's Drew. In the Lab time, Drew Doherty and John Harris talking with you, dear Texan fan. Hope you're doing great. John, wow. Texans took it on the chin in the desert. One fun seeing J.J. Watt and DeAndre Hopkins do their thing as we've become accustomed to. But 31-5 to was the final. Did you get a chance to say hello to either of those guys or rush up I'm against glad you, of those guys? I'm glad you brought that up. Hop was never a guy that, <laughs> that did a lot in pregame. So I thought that possibly I could, you know, look, he makes all those great catches on the sideline. Like, hey, maybe he'll make a catch and then, you know, hop over by me and see me, whatever. And that didn't happen. Everything he did was inside the field and, and never really got towards me on the sideline. And so I thought, well, you know, I'll just, I'll just wait because it takes so long to, for me to get my post-game interviews. I get a player and then I get Coach Cully. It takes so long. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try and kind of wait this out and see if maybe I get a chance to see them, you know, before they go. And so I'm kind of standing around Hop. And the thing about it is for Hop, you know, he left after 2019 not even just players and coaches, but a lot of the support staff too was not a group of people that he knew. Now there was a decent um, number of players that did just want to shake hands that maybe didn't know him, but just respected him, all that kind of stuff. And then there obviously were some that had been here for all, you know, Roland Ramirez, our, our head athletic trainer was somebody that worked with hop. And so, you know, yeah, you saw, you saw Roe hugging JJ yeah. as they cut to shots in the post game. Yeah. And so I kind of waited it out. And with, uh, with hop in particular, and he was kind of hugging somebody and he saw me and his eyes kind of lit up and he just came over to me. He was like my baby boy. And I just was like, <laughs> I just, I, I mean, I literally almost, I just melted him. He gave me a big old bear hug. And it's just one of those things where, you know, because he plays in Arizona, you know, I, I don't know when I'm going to see him again. And yeah. that, that, that was hard. That was hard. And I said, I told him in his ears, I said, I kind of pulled him close and I said, look, I said, I don't know when I'm going to be able to see you again. I said, but I said, I promise I've never been to Canton, but when you go in, I'll be there. Oh, that's cool. And he just kind of backed up. He looked at me, he goes, love you, bro. And he just, I was like, I was a mess at that point. Like, (laughs) God dang it. So then I kind of walk over and JJ was standing there um, and he had just kind of finishing up with Justin Britt. I don't know if they've had connection, but you know, JJ was just, you know, very gracious and hugged him. And then he saw me, I kind of pat him on the shoulder pad, just kind of as if to say, you know, Hey, you know, nice job, JJ. I didn't know if you'd see me or not. And he happened to see me and he started to kind of go, he was almost going in at that point, but then he saw me and he kind of came over to me and we just kind of bro hugged. And he just looked at me. He's like, man, I know it's, I know it's hard, but it'll get better. It'll get better. And he was like assuring me. And I'm like, cool. I was like, I can't even, I can't even speak right now. I mean, I just was like, you know, those two have meant so much to so many people. And obviously we've gotten a chance to know them through the years in yeah. the hallways and the cafeteria and doing radio interviews and just different events we did with them, you know, traveling with them, seeing them in a hotel, that kind of stuff. And so, you know, it's just a little different relationship, especially for me with hop, just for some reason, hop, uh, hop and I always connected. And that was, uh, it was really, really odd to see them in a different Jersey. Like, yeah, like it was, it was seeing them play. Like just, it was them, but 
And I was used to all that and seeing JJ with the elbow brace and kind of how JJ, you know, has that strut. I mean, it just, that was all so familiar, but then seeing that damn bird on their helmet was like, golly, this is, and, and I'm telling you, it'll be the same thing when we see Dwayne later this year, God used to see oh, Ben yeah. Jones. I went through a list because drew the last time we had been in Arizona was 2014. That was you and Pre-season. me. That was, our, that was our first time on the sidelines. We've we talked about that on this. Yeah. This, yeah, <laughs> it was wild. It was really wild, but I start thinking about it, man, the 2014 team was really talented. And I was like, wow, from that team, you know, we've already seen Clowney this year. Uh, we've now seen hop and we've seen Watt. Uh, Ben Jones. We see twice a year, yep. uh, but we're also going to see Dwayne Brown as well. Yeah. So a lot of guys off that 2014 team, that was our first game that we're still seeing around the league, still yeah. playing very, very well. Um, and it's just, it's interesting. So, Dwayne is the next one. At least it's at home. Um, and it's, t- it's been a couple of years of seeing him in a Seahawks helmet. So I've gotten used to it, but still seeing him up close for the first time in Seahawks gear is going to be weird. It's pretty remarkable. He is Dwayne Brown. One of 12 players left in the NFL that were drafted in 2008. 12. Wow. Yeah. Danny Amendola was not drafted that year, but that's yeah. the le- the year he entered as a, an undrafted free agent. So that's a pretty high number to me, Drew. I mean, if yeah. you think about it. And there's probably a few others that are were undrafted free agents that I, you know, I, I didn't include. So I, 13 is the number I, I know of. So it's probably yeah. a little bit higher. Like I'm not thinking of a punter or kicker because a lot of times those guys get signed in the offseason. But uh, yeah. That's amazing. Dirty dozen from uh, that draft. Obviously, it was an ugly game, but there were two bright spots. And let's talk about those bright spots now. One was – or two – Two, not stars, but two notable performers. One, I think, clearly, Jonathan Grenard, uh, two sacks, had a pass deflection. He's making a difference, and he's kind of continuing to do what he's been doing the last, uh, you know, really ever, ever since he came back. He's got six sacks in five games, John. And the yeah. other is Desmond King. His first three punt returns were the three longest punt returns of the season for the Texans. And Andre Roberts was somebody that had an impact on him yeah. Andre Roberts has been to a bunch of Pro Bowls and he's been in the league a long, long time. And he was a good teammate as far as like Desmond said, he picked a lot up from, from Andre Roberts. And you and, and Mark had a really cool conversation with Desmond King yesterday on Texans Radio. Wrote a little blurb about, you know, what he thought about how he what what how he approaches, you know, fielding punts and all that stuff. Yeah. But let's talk about Desmond King. It it wasn't a big difference maker ultimately when you lose by 26, but Boy, he gave the Texans a chance or the offense a chance by moving them forward. He went 17 yards on his third. He had a 20-yarder. He had a 14-yarder. I mean, that's that's a significant chunk of, of yardage when you can get the ball where he got it. And ultimately, they weren't able to capitalize on it. But if you're able to get one or two of those per game the rest of the way, you know maybe it does make a big difference. I was very enthused about it. You know, and you and I dork out about special teams and you know, like coverage and hidden <laughs> yeah. yardage and everything. Yeah, that was very refreshing because the the hidden yardage has been at a deficit this year so far, and he kind of flipped that, and it was it was really cool to see, John. It was, and it was his fourth, interesting. His fourth one, he got driven back, and it was no gain. But yeah. when the the final ledger, you look at it, four punt returns for a twelve point five average. That's a massive upgrade over what you were getting. No doubt. No doubt. And it was one of those situations, Drew, where, look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you the defense was the 85 Bears. I I won't do that. Right. 
But I will tell you that the defense, I thought, especially the front, played a really solid ball game. They messed with Kyler Murray. They really did. They really did. And they put two points up on the board uh, with the way that Jacob Martin played that zone read, which was absolutely brilliant. I thought the special teams played extremely well. Now, they gave up one return to Rondale that gave them, I think, decent. But that was it. Uh, Cam Johnson's punt set up the safety. Desmond King's return set them return set them up in really good field position. It was just one of those days where the the Texans offense ran into a jackhammer and that defense. And and I watched them throughout pregame. I watched them and I I do that. um, I do that each week. I watch the opposing team warm up to just kind of get a feel, first of all, for roster numbers, like to make sure like I know most of them, but just like, okay, 29 is such and such 26 is such and such. So I, I do that. But also, if there are changes in the starting lineup, how are they lining up in pregame? And I realize the Cardinals don't have don't they don't line up the way they're going to start, which is interesting. It was it was kind of I watched it was like wait a second they're all over the map here, so that was kind of interesting. But anyway, I felt like the defense they were put on a short field that came up with one touchdown and they generated safety. So look, if if they would have been in a game in which they had given up twenty four points. That's got to be a game that your offense is putting up enough points that in the fourth quarter, it's a ball game. Yeah. And the offense just couldn't do it. Now, some of that was because of, and a good majority of that is because Arizona is as fast and as physical a defense. They're not big, and we couldn't take advantage of that. We could not. We couldn't run the football. We couldn't, we couldn't jackhammer them ourselves. And that, I thought, was the biggest issue. But I don't want to say you won defensively no. against their offense, but – you held your own enough that you had some wins. You just didn't win. Right. You know, you held like, if you compare it to a boxing match, you, you're probably going into rounds 10, 11, 12, you're probably down, you know, uh, six to four, but you know what, man, if your offense comes together, you can win rounds 10 and 11, make 12 very, very interesting, but your offense just, and then with the way things were going, I mean, it just it snowballed. I mean, then on a fourth down, you know, passes a little bit out in front of Brandon cooks. Look, he'll tell you it's a pass. You should catch. But he can't hang on. Nico Collins on a on a bootleg is open, and Davis puts it in the right spot. Nico can't hang on. Uh, you know, blocks were block, blocks were missed all over the place. Which I don't know what category you put that into, but it was just kind of a a snowball of of badness that ended up being the the downfall. But if the offense could could generate some things, the defensive front played extremely sure. uh, extremely well. We'll get to John in just a second, but. You know, as, as far as Des goes, it's interesting talking to him. He has just – there are always those guys. You know, I think Amandola is one of those guys. Uh, I think Audrey Roberts early in his career was one of those guys. You just have a sixth sense. They're not the fastest guys in the world, but they just have this sixth sense of, you know, footballness. They can do things. Like Desmond can look down and see the coverage as the ball's in the air, get his eyes back up and find the ball and catch it clean and, and know where to go after that. Uh, people can't do that, but he can. He's just got a lot of football instinct and his football IQ is off the charts. I love having Desmond King here. I, I've, I've told you this, Drew, before. I was a big fan of his at Iowa. Huge, yeah. huge fan of his at Iowa. And when asked what position he plays, I said he plays, he plays defense and special teams because you can play him in a lot of different spots. And I think that's really kind of proving true right now. He's playing perimeter corner. That's probably not his best fit, but the way the Texans play their defense, it's probably not the worst fit. It's funny to go back to the returning though, I've always been fascinated by punt returners and their approach to what they do. Yeah. His explanation was different than say Wes Welker's who I heard back with Wes Welker when he was at Texas tech, you know, I was, I was in Lubbock 
covering the Red Raiders after he had left. He was gone, I think, a year or two before I got there. But, you know, Amendola was there when I was there. And yeah, I remember they had said Wes Welker, when he returned punts, and nobody had more punt returns for touchdowns in NCAA history than he did. And I think he still might hold the record. If it, I think if you're it, right. If it's been broken, it was broken in the last year or two. But anyways, his approach was make the first guy miss. And it's something with like hip strength or, or, or having quick hips or whatever. But it was just like, as long as you can make that first guy miss, you're going to get some yardage and, you know, just yeah. keep, keep plowing forward. So it's, it's always fun hearing how these different guys approach what I think is just a harrowing task. I mean, oh, having, having a few, few people screaming at you and you're not always looking at them. I, I just think that's, that's frightening. But it is, um, It's scary as all get out yeah. to be back there. I mean, I, I did it. I did it for a game, my junior year, last game of my junior year. And we really just were out of options, but they knew high school I was or gonna, college, high school, college, oh, okay. this is college. We're playing Columbia in, uh, in New York. They had a, they had a guy by the name of Des <laughs> oh, Worthman. No, get this. In this game, he's from, his name is Des Worthman. He's from Chicago, South Side Chicago. I mean, you talk about a tough SOB. In that game against us, he's their starting middle linebacker. He has 16 tackles. Uh, he gave me a concussion on the first punt return. I mean, hit me like I've never been hit in my life. Like, I don't, I don't even remember the hit. He also ran 30 times for 166 yards and two touchdowns and kicked all extra points in that game. It was like Gordy Lockbaum. It was unbelievable. I, I still, to this day, I'm dumbfounded. But it was Columbia Brown, and we, neither one of us were very good. They were 2-7, and seven, and we were 0-9 going into the game. So nobody's going to remember it, but I remember that. I, first of all, I remember the hit. I remember, I remember the, the headache he left me with. He, he hit me along with two other guys, and I went blind in an eye for about 10 minutes. And so that's how hard he hit me. And then, by the way, he ran for 160 yards on 30 carries and two touchdowns and had 16 tackles or something like that. He was, it was, it was his last game at Columbia. And he had, he just told the coaches, this is, they'd tried it out a couple weeks prior at the running back thing. And then they just said, yeah, screw it, go with it. And so they did. So Um, he hadn't even played, hadn't even played running back that much, huh? No, the last couple of games of the year, they just threw him back there in kind of a, you know, power jumbo set. And they're like, I wonder what he's doing now. Yeah, I don't know. Des Workman or Workman? Des Worthman from Chicago. I'm going to look him up. Des Worthman. I don't know. We'll see. Interesting. Um, Okay, so I mentioned Grenard. He's a building block, a young building block, and really an enticing one, I think. I mean, he's getting two sacks per game last two weeks. He's getting after the quarterback, and that's something that we haven't seen around here in a while. Like, I'm very enthused about what this, I mean, he is, I think he's the brightest of bright spots right now in this season. That's not going well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you're absolutely right. It's funny. I, we, when we went to green Bay and we all had dinner, I was sitting at a table with our producer, Robert Hensley. Mm-hmm. And we were kind of talking about things and, and Robert had been out to a few training camp practices and, and obviously I'd seen every one of them to that point. And we got in this discussion about pass rush. And of course, when you lose somebody like JJ Watt, you're like, well, where is the pass rush going to come yeah. from? Like, all right, well, we'll see. And I said, Robert, I think this pass rush is going to be better than you think. And I started going through the reasons why. And obviously one of them was John Grenard. And that went back to seeing him coming out of Florida, what he did at Louisville. I just felt like he had the right combination of size, quickness, hands, twitch, want to work ethic. He just had kind of had everything that you would really want 
in an edge guy, and he's doing it in a lot of different ways. And you can just see the confidence growing in him. It's and really the confidence growing in the three guys in the 2020 draft class. I mean, Drew, how many times have we talked about that? Like, are we going to see something from this 2020 draft class? Because, you know, 2020 was not the year to see it, given everything no. they were kind of up against. But now we're starting to see it in year two. We're seeing six sacks from John Grenard. I know that Ross um, had the, the COVID issue, but before that, he was really coming into his own. And then the other day, you could see that juice again. He forced a holding on a, on a run by James Conner um, that he would have stuffed in the backfield had he not been held. And you're really starting to see him come into his own. And Charlie Heck has started at right tackle. And albeit not perfect, but he's really grown. And I would say if you said, hey, there are issues on the offensive line, you wouldn't get to Charlie Heck's name for a while because there yeah. are issues other places than there are uh, with big number 67. So you're getting out of your second, third, and fourth round picks in 2020 a whole lot more than anybody anticipated. Throw on top of that. Nico Collins. Yeah, I know he didn't have the greatest game the other day, but, you know, who really did offensively? Uh, you know, from the 2021 draft, you know, Garrett Wallow's doing some good things on special teams. Um, you're seeing Roy Lopez do some really nice things on the defensive line. That's you're another. He, he, Roy Lopez, con- I, not to interrupt, but, like, because no, of the position perfect. he plays, he's not going to get a lot of notoriety because he's just, right. you know, taking up. That's another guy who's a, he's come in and he's absolutely a building yep. block, I think, on that no defensive doubt. front. I no mean, doubt. And he, I mean, he had a tackle for a loss the other day. There's, there are some things, look, he's a rookie. He's learning how to fly, but he's getting a lot of playing time doing it. So it is, it is uh, OTJ on the job training for sure for him, but you're seeing some results from these, these draft, these past two draft classes, which gives you like, Hey, okay. It, they weren't first rounders in some case and no second rounders, but you're getting contributions from, yeah. you know, day two guys and day three guys. And that's really, what what you need to do, and then you know, if whatever is rumored to happen with with the trade, and you get some first rounders coming back, then those guys hit, and you're like, all right, this thing is right where we want it to be. Now, again, it it takes time, and I thought it was interesting, Drew. We talked with um with Nick Casario, and and of course, I a lot of times when we talk, I I want to throw in draft questions just because I'm like uh, Chris Farley interviewing. Um, you know, uh, Paul McCartney, Paul McCartney, remember, Nick, that, one time? Me, me, remember that one time when you, you yeah, traded awesome. up to go get Nico, that was, that was awesome. Rest in peace, Chris Farley. Oh. Yeah. Uh, he made a comment about rookies. I thought was really interesting. And he said it so matter of factly that kind of after the interview was over, it's like, Hey, can you talk about that? And he said, of course. And he mentioned, you know, with rookies, when guys are drafted, they don't think about the first year. They think about the second year, right? Because you get through that rookie year. I mean, you have no real off season for the most part. You draft prep. Then yeah, when you, you're you're saying when you're a rookie, you right. have not had the pre the, the off season, right. the preseason. You've not had the it. right the true off season mm-hmm. experience. Then you dive into a rookie year, and then when that rookie year is over, it's like okay, there's no draft prep. Right. Now it is just strictly preparing for the next season. You go through a full off season, and I think a great example of that is John Grenard. John was at that building, I think, every single day. From the yep. day that they allowed us back in the building, which I don't know what that was, I saw JG every single day. Um, we did an interview with him. I think maybe you and I may, may have done it. We did an interview with him, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I just got, I just got back from uh, working out. And we're like, oh, where are you? you know, Arizona, Florida? Where? You know, and he goes, no, 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 I'm at the, I'm at the facility. I was like, wow. He was there every single every day. day. Charlie Heck was there every single day. That starts paying off in year two. And so that's yeah. – 
you when you see some some dividends reaped from a rookie class, you think, man, that's when the year two leap comes in, and you're like, hey, okay, now we're starting to kind of put that together. I kind of like where that's going to end up going. To wrap it up, put a bow on things. So Grenard already has more sacks than anybody on the Texans did last year. Wow. Yeah. And if you go back to 2019. Whitney Merciless led the team in sacks that year with seven and a half. Watt was gone for much of the season with injury. So really he gets two more sacks, which could happen in this next game. Even he's got more sacks than anybody since 2018 when Watt had an all pro season, 16 sacks then plus Clowney chipped in with nine that year. So Jonathan Grenard off to a good start uh, in year two. All right, man. We got one say? more thing to add to this. I Let's just I pulled this up real fast. In 2017, Dante Pettis from Washington, who's now with the Giants. That's who it was. I was thinking Gary Pettis's son. Yeah. Punt return touchdown career leader in college. He had nine. Welker is tied with Antonio Perkins. You remember him mm-hmm. from Oklahoma? Mm-hmm. Yep. I think he had three in a game once. Uh, Welker and Perkins both have eight. So Wes is number two overall. That's amazing. That's amazing. And yeah. didn't get drafted. And didn't get drafted. And didn't get drafted. I just dumbfounded. It's like the great, the late, great Tommy McVeigh said when Welker was a senior in high school and there was one little spot left at Texas Tech in the recruiting class that year, first year for Mike Leach, he said, Mike, at the very least, this guy can kick for us. <laughs> yeah. Wes Welker was a great soccer player. Soccer he player. kicked for his high school team, never kicked a single kick for the, uh, the Red Raiders, but he got there. And I think shortly thereafter, Cliff Kingsbury Walked off the yep. field and went up to Leach said, that's the best player on the entire field we got right now. So, yeah, we can always tell a Wes Welker story or a Mike Leach story if we want, but that's uh, that's it for now. Hey, man, I love doing these with you and uh, hope to see you again very, very soon. You take care of yourself. Yeah, man. This is me and In the Lab.